on a special master's version of the Beth the Process, Jeff lets me do the intro myself, and we have, uh, we have acclaimed DFS champion Peter Jennings on to cover the Masters. We go through players, Bryson, what he's going to do, um, theories, narratives, picks, you name it. Um, it's one of my favorite podcasts of the year. So with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a town with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The Welcome to the I'm about to kill Rufus edition of the bet the process podcast rufus needed to restart his vic 20 which took like another 15 minutes and, and cut into the valuable time where we provide amazing content to you guys uh we're joined by peter jennings um not the news anchor not the jeopardy star we should actually probably pay tribute to alex trebek for a minute um very moment sad of moment of silence we don't have a moment so maybe a second of silence there we go. And, um, and can we pay tribute to the late Peter Jennings also? Did he die also? Yeah, like 10 years ago. Okay. Oh, well, I mean, I've had, a lot, it's, I've had a lot of time to get over that one, apparently. Uh, Peter, you're joining us for the uh, – let's just hop right into the Masters talk because that's, that's what we're here for. So uh, the, the big theme, or I guess the big thing that everyone's talking about is, is Bryson, right? Like Bryson is the favorite – Bryson has beaten golf, solved golf. The course they're trying to lay out in a way that that maybe takes that advantage away. Where, what do you guys think? Is, is should he be the odds-on favorite, or is that over being overblown? It's hard to predict. I mean, we haven't really seen uh, someone attack the golf course this way. Uh, certainly, would love to hear Rufus's opinion, but yeah, you saw him on the range over 200 ball speed, and you know, in ESPN, they're talking about the magic number of carrying it over 320 which can give him some lines and some wider landing areas but uh there's a lot of really good golfers out there john Rahm made arguably the best hole in one i've ever seen today that's his second hole in one uh in in practice rounds i'd be curious to think i'll, I'll kick it to rufus on this do you think there's any predictive value in john Rahm making two hole in ones in practice rounds like two hole in ones this week feeling good like Something, maybe this is my week. Do, do you take, does that matter at all? No, I feel like it, he's, it's like when I hit well in the range, like I'm not going to hit well in the course. It's like I, all my good, all my, all my good luck is gone, right? This I feel is like, like what getting, Trump says, right? Trump, the reason Trump doesn't exercise is because he thinks the body only has so much energy in it and he doesn't want to take away from the, the, the battery has, right? The, the battery theory. Yeah. He doesn't want to drain his batteries. Um, um, since since you brought up personal Bryson, golf. Sorry, go ahead. No, so Bryson is interesting because he basically breaks my model. Like, I don't think I can fit him to the course just because, you know, I'm if I'm going hole by hole and saying, okay, this is on this hole, like distance matters X amount. Um, it's within this range that people have been at and distance in that hole in the past. 
if he's hitting it over like if a bunker that nobody else is getting it to or that everybody else is having to contend with for example and maybe lay up in front of and he's getting it over that and the fairway is way wider after like like my fit for that hole is not going to be right at all and so i mean it took a lot of humility jeff to say you know what i don't know i don't know with bryson and so so i think i've heard not have you're not going to get involved with him at all I'm pretty neutral. I think I'm maybe a slight fade. The thing is, I have to take a stance in some way because it shapes my outrights in general. Like if I if I made Bryson 19%, which somebody that I know in the that that bets for a living literally has him at 19%. I know somebody else that has him at like 5%. So that also bets for a living. So, you know, it's but the difference there is 14% and that affects all your other outright and top 5, top 10, top 20 probabilities. So, um I'm what I did basically was I went through, I, I, well, A, I eliminated the tour championship for him for off the tee. Cause I think on the driving holes there, he had irons. Um, and I eliminated the heritage for driving because he, you know, the heritage is not at all like Augusta national and, and there's not a much to gain from driving. And he obviously was not, um, hitting a lot of drivers there. Um, and then I like even boosted his distance a little bit more and, and I, and, and, and honestly, I massaged the numbers a little bit. I was like, you know, um, I gave him, I gave him a little bit of a bump and just sort of saw where it landed. And, you know, I, I, I have him sort of at about 12.7 to one, which I feel like is fairly reasonable. Uh, you know, it's not six and a half to one where the market is, but one thing I find really interesting is that. Bryson is the favorite in outrights. Clearly there's, there's a lot of, um, but, but if you look oh, at, so like, hold on a second for one second. So if you had an, at 12, 12 or something to one, is he your favorite? No, my favorite's DJ. Got it. My what favorite. do you price DJ at? Oh, probably too high. If I'm being honest. Um, let me see. Plus seven seventy three. Got it. How about um, Rombo? How would you price Rombo at? Plus 985. But what's interesting is that um, is the dichotomy you're seeing in Bryson, like relative to guys, uh, like especially McElroy. You know, McElroy is favored over Bryson in a match in matchups, yet Bryson is, you know, is the favorite for outrights. And, you know, part of that, you're like, well, that's you know, one is a two-way market, one isn't, but, you know, I'm actually pulling up Betfair right now to see um, the liquidity there. I mean, there, there's some significant li- liquidity behind behind Bryson on both sides and behind Rory for that matter. So it is a two-way market there, but the matchup number still is, has Rory a substantial favorite over Bryson. So I guess I want to ask you, what do you guys make of that? That's the range of outcomes for the golfers, right? I mean, Bryson, if we look at his range of outcomes, he's actually missed some cuts and had some, you know, bad rounds. Whereas Rory, who has been disappointing during the COVID swing, hasn't missed a cut during the COVID swing. And historically, uh, his range of outcomes have been more narrow. And Bryson is just kind of harder to predict. And I think that speaks to, you know, would it surprise me if he won by three or four strokes? Not really. Would it surprise me if he really underperformed? I think – there's a wider range of outcomes, although Rory's been volatile too. So but I, I would think that has a large part to do with it. Like Rom's been really consistent. DJ's been a little more inconsistent. What do you think, Jeff? 
Well, I, I mean, I, I think it's the variance, right? That, the, that, that, you know, like, like you're saying, the range of outcomes and the variance. And ultimately, also, it's, it's because one market is not two-sided and the other one is, right? I mean, no, ultimately- No, no, they both are in this case. I'm looking at Betfair. Oh, okay. So, so there is, there's volume on both sides regarding for Bryson. I'm so seeing- Bryson I'm, for Betfair. So I'm seeing, okay, so laying on the lay side, there's 7,300 at 9.2 and 19,000 at 9.4. On backing, there's 24,000 at nine. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's volume on both sides there. I mean, Rory's got- basically the bid and ask is, is 21,000 and 18,000 the other side. I mean, there's, there, there's volume in the five figures on basically all the, um, all the favorites. So Rory could do the same thing. I think this is an interesting one that's unknown as well. We saw Rory on the yeah. range hitting low one nineties ball speed. He's always been basically the best driver of the golf ball, but hasn't tried to like, you know, do what Bryson's doing. Now he's seeing Bryson have success. I think Rory's got mid one nineties in the tank and he hits the ball really high, which I think is a big factor for Bryson too. Like Cameron champ is really long, but he hits those kind of low cut bullets, whereas Bryson launches it super high. And so does Rory. Both those guys are near the top in terms of carry. So I think that's interesting. Do you think champ can hit a higher ball flood if he wants? Cause I know I, I saw the thing, I think it was before, it was one of those practice rounds where they had the, uh, I think Sean Foley was walking around and they interviewed him and he was talking about champ. And, and he said like, basically that hitting it low and having more run takes more trouble out of play or something like that. Um, do you think champ, maybe you don't know, but do you think champ might say for this, like, do you think he has a high ball flight in the, in reserve if he wants, or is it something that, is that something that a player can kind of manipulate? I would think he can do it. Now, how comfortable is he and how consistent is he? I have no idea. I mean, it was remarkable. I was at uh, the uh, Waste Management down in Arizona, and this was when Champ was kind of making his appearance. And all the guys were on the range, including JT, Bubba, and the range was like, I don't know, 330, 340 yards long, maybe a little bit longer. Champ was like the only guy you could actually see him hitting it out of the range. I mean, he was, I mean, remember, he was a standard deviation longer than everyone else before Bryson was doing what he's doing. Well, and the thing is, it's not like he, it's not like Bryson's much longer than him at all. Yeah. It's just that Bryson hits the higher ball flight and higher carry. Bryson is, yeah, I mean, and Bryson is a better all around player than Cameron Champ, to be, to be fair. Um, okay. So you guys are about, golf savants. Okay. What, what, what you've been watching golf playing, you know, Rufus has been welching on golf bets, that kind of thing. Um, where, what are, like, th have we seen any of these big names recently? Because, like, normally going into the Masters, there's quite a bit of data. And I know that many of the models that we've talked about take recency or recent form. Um, that is a, a pretty re reasonable indicator of how you're going to do. How do you guys deal with that going into this where people haven't really been playing as much, right? Or at least not, not, not as far as we know. I mean, Bryson hasn't played since the Shriners, which – he finished tied for eighth, which was his last event after the U.S. Open. When was when was that? Um, that was in October. I mean, that was like four to five weeks ago. So yeah, I mean, isn't that layoff kind of a big deal potentially? And and then like, what what are the layoffs so. of other some of the other top favorites? Uh, well, DJ DJ played last week and played really played well. Awesome. Yeah, so that's why DJ's so high because we know a lot more about. You know, we know where his form is a little bit. Although with DJ, 
to be honest with DJ, you never really know because he can always pull out an 80 at he any was playing point great. or a 62. But playing great, then got COVID, so we didn't know, and then he played great last week. We I mean we got DJ Matsuyama and Kepka all played really well. Kepka charged specifically on the weekend, which makes the top of the board really interesting. And you know we've seen those guys; they all a lot of them played Shadow Creek, which people are talking about. Jeff, you've played Shadow Creek. They have. They're not, they're, not what'd well. What did you shoot? Not what'd well. you shoot? Did you was it how many how many digits was it? Uh, four four digits. Well done. No, I uh, honestly it was like right when I first started kind of playing again. I hadn't, hadn't been playing very much, so I, I didn't play particularly well. Um, also, it's Vegas, so playing morning golf in Vegas, you don't play particularly well. I'm actually playing a course tomorrow called Mayakama, so that'll be a nice nice course Ooh, to play up in the awesome. Mayakama Mountains. I've, I've never heard of that. I feel like left out here. What is – where is – is that a really nice course? Yeah, it's a nice course. It's yeah. one of the nicest okay. courses in Northern California probably, like certainly north of San Francisco. Um Anyway, so uh, I mean, I, I so who, what about like Rory? When's the last? Did he play at Shadow Creek? Yeah, Rory, so a lot of the guys say. played at Shadow Creek and Rory. So this is what I feel like Rory's been doing, and, and Rufus would know better with the data. But Rory goes out; he's shown flashes of like great golf, hitting the ball great, really awesome off the tee, goes low, and he just has these stretches. I mean, at Shadow Creek, he had like a six-hole stretch where he went six over, and it was part of the easy part of the course oh that was the end i remember because yeah. i lost me a bunch of money yeah yeah he was like up six strokes on rom with like seven holes to go and he went like yeah, double bogey, bogey double bogey bogey down easy easy short par five missed like a course he missed like a four footer or something he three well, i mean what do you it. do you have a theory jennings on what's going on with him well rory's talked about it he's said it's been troublesome for him with uh, the fans and this is another, uh, you know, I know we're, we're process oriented. Uh, so he's like literally not focused. He's not, he, you think he's, yeah, he's not got the focused. Band album, he's got the baby. And then the other so, element for Rory, do you guys give any weight to this? Cause this is the narrative that everyone's talking about. You know, Rory, the one major he's missing is the masters and he tries extra hard, too hard for the masters. So that's why he doesn't perform at the masters, even though in theory it's the best course for him. I think that's, mostly noise um, but like that what you just said was like so inconsistent right and i'm not saying i'm not saying that you believe this but no i don't believe it all. that's that what you, people say it's hilarious no but the two narratives that you said are that because of the fans he can't no fans there he can't focus but yet in something that he should be so focused on he's focusing too hard and he can't play play well so maybe this is like the the perfect storm yeah of like you know the fans there make it easier for him to relax, but the fact that it's it's the Masters makes it easier for him to focus. And I, I mean, I think we just decided that Rory's going to win this thing. Uh, I've uh, already decided that. Did you really? No, I don't you know. know. <laughs> going. He brought his uh, wife and baby to the, the event. I mean, I don't know. Well, so I, I opened up the up. odds on 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 like Sunday night or something like that. And I was about to just hammer Rom and McElroy because I figured that would be what Rufus <laughs> did. And I think they were like both over, they're in like the 12, 11 to one range. And now they're in the 855 and plus 901. So I'm assuming Rufus that you, you hit one, if not both of these guys. I did. I think I hit Rory more than I hit Rom, but it, it's well, weird. Like Rory's smaller fact- than Rom. I just wouldn't want to hit Rom. He's a big Spaniard. He's a big dude. Yeah. Um, what did you hit those guys at? What price did you hit them at? I think I hit Rom at like plus 1050. First off, and Rory like 14 to one ish. But like, I think, first off, there's 
all these people out there like doing victory laps on hit, betting DeChambeau at like 28 to one and whatever else. And I think that's one thing I don't do. I don't bet master stuff before like ahead of ahead of time, which I feel like there probably is a lot of value if you do that. But um, why do you think that Chris continues to open these golfers that they know you're going to hammer higher than, than like where you're, where you still see value. I mean, because, you see value because, on wait, the same guys every week. Jeff, I'm a, like, especially with outrights, I'm a small potato in the market. I mean, they're, they're taking, like, this is the masters. They're taking, they're, they're definitely worried about their liability. I'm sure. I mean, why do you think Bryson is priced at like plus 650 in some places or whatever he is? I mean, it's because he's, he's, he's broken golf. He's why. getting right. Well, it's because he's getting bet everywhere. I mean, he, He's broken golf with this. I don't know if like, you paid attention. I was talking to, to Jeff Sherman. He wears a fedora. And he, he's going to wear a DraftKings hat. Did you guys see that? There's a big billboard. Oh, yeah. Bryson and DraftKings. And that, to me, okay, just to transition a little bit, the coolest thing about the Masters is it's the best sweat in all of sports by a mile. Wait, you why is that? It. Given the fact that there's never any comebacks on Sunday. It, the winner has come from the last two groups almost, like, what is it, like every year? You can watch every shot of all the golfers. So my biggest, the biggest sweat for me in DFS is on Fridays when I'm sweating guys making the cut. You can watch any golfer hit every shot. The coverage is absolutely amazing. And the markets for this are incredible. I mean, golf has really gone all in on sports betting. You know, Bryson's now sponsored. He's going to be wearing a DraftKings hat. The DraftKings $4,500 tournament sold out on Tuesday. I mean, wow. there is a ton That's today. of that. Today, yeah. How That's many? I mean, DraftKings wow. could have been a way, way bigger contest. Why don't so they Peter, like run a, a second big, one? You're a big uh, DFS guy. It is how much will you guys have in play from a DFS perspective going into the going into the Masters? It's always the debate. Uh, yeah, we'll see. It'll be big. We'll be six figures, but it won't be. We'll see. Those, we'll see what what some of the action. Like is. six figures is a l- wide range, right? And I assume that doesn't low, include low, the decimal low points. Six figures, low six Close. figures. Right. Um, so. Do you th- so yeah. do you think that for like are there more positive EV opportunities for the Masters than than other events or is it just essentially a chance to get more money down I think it's a chance to get more money down more so than it's a bigger edge there's certainly more fish in the ecosystem but the price the pricing is super soft so you can play kind of star-studded lineups so how many yeah. fish are paying $4500 per entry though yeah, well, $4,500 one for entry. That's uh, so, Jeff. This is where game theory gets really interesting. That $4,500 tournament on DraftKings, two million dollar total prize pool, a million to first, million to first, 125k to second. That's a pretty sharp decline. So you you, you have to play to win. That's the only option. So what's your approach there? Do you treat it? I mean, how, wait, how many people are in it? 500. 500. Okay, so it's it's a tournament. So is it basically go for the guys that? or not chalk or I mean I don't without giving too much away like what what's the what's the move here how do you have what's your process for figuring out what the what the what the optimal lineups I should say you're going to put in are well I think it's very clear in a tournament like that the disaster scenario that you have to avoid is a lot of chalk together now the thing I've always struggled with is balancing the equity while still getting a lot of leverage on the field so there's certain guys that we, you know, I think have a ton of equity and it's how much do you play them? You, you absolutely have to do some contrarian things. Um, so for me, the process is trying to figure out, you know, making sure the lineup has leverage in some capacity and then balancing 
um, you know, how much you can get certain high equity plays in. And I think the top end is probably the best place to be contrarian. If we know Bryson's going to be 30% in that or 40%, I think it's clearly a fade on, on Bryson. Um, and trying to find that low owned guy is, is the challenge. Uh, but you're certainly not going to like play Sandy Lyle or something like that because he's 1%, you know, like you still have to get good golfers in there. So can you help me with something here then? Like this is, this is interesting sort of, I'm in this pool, right? Where you literally just pick 10 golfers and you get a, you get a point basically for, if your guy is in first, you get 10 points. If he's in second, even tied for second, you get nine, eight, seven. And then I think that the third, the third and fourth day, the points get doubled. Right. But you know, you can't just pick the top 10 guys because it's a fairly sizable pool. Right. Cause ultimately you're trying to win. So what, it, what would you guys' strategy be in this situation? How many people and what's the payout it's, structure? It's, it's basically, they pay the top, I don't know, like I think five or six, it depends on how many total people are in there. And there's probably, you know, like 50 people in it or something like that. So not that, not that many people. But right not yeah. I guess not that many people sure I mean I, I want to say what my instinct would be I think Peter's probably going to be way sharper on this because he plays much That's more game theoretical Peter, games but I, I want to see if I'm I want, I want to throw something out there I would say I, I would go off of sort of like NCAA tournament pool strategy where you're basically going with some chalk but then also trying to take leverage on somebody that you know nobody else is going to be on and if that guy performs well you're good yeah. or, or a few or shots or right? someone who's going to be really popular so like if you knew every single person in the field was going to have bryson then you know you could gain a theoretical edge now you know you make him the favorite obviously his range of outcomes he's he's often in the top 10 but it just depends on you know how you want to get so i agree with rupus i think you eat some chalk and then you need to find leverage on certain things similar to dfs you have to find some way and then dfs the easiest like so the best case scenario in dfs if we use nfl the best case scenario is you have like a really screaming, great matchup, great price, great value wide receiver, but the wide receivers have, you know, wider ranges of outcomes. So that wide receiver bus and 60% of the field has them fading that player. That's like the easiest way to gain leverage versus the field. Um, so in golf, it's similar. Like if we knew, um, you know, let's say we thought, and I think this could be the case, Matsuyama is a really interesting golfer this week on DraftKings. His price has moved heavily in the market. He's way cheaper on DraftKings and where he's priced in the betting market. So it's pretty likely, especially in the high stakes stuff that he'll be really heavily owned. How do you handle someone like Matsuyama? If he's going to be 40, 50% owned. That's a good question. I would say fade him. For your pool, Jeff, I would, I would pick mostly high equity guys, but take a stance on fading some guys that you think for sure everyone else is going to have. Well, so Bryson's, Bryson seems like the guy, right? Because ultimately he's the guy that probably has, like we said, the highest range of outcomes. I'm going to push back on that. I don't, I'm I don't, not saying it has to be Bryce. I think high up there. And I'll be honest, I don't have like, I don't have, I haven't manually charted 20,000 shots like Joe Peter did to have the shot link data at Augusta National. But my guess, my intuition would be that being so long off the tee is actually going to make his variance, his floor a lot higher. Like if you're hitting the ball that far, you're going to be in pretty good positions and there isn't that much trouble at Augusta National. Like, I almost see it as like his floor is high. And, and obviously that's not my numbers show like, yes, he is a high variance player, but I think, and this is, as I said, I can't model him at this course. So this isn't really, this is, this is sort of 
my said theorizing. Power, but 67, by the way. Bryson, that's what he said his power is, which makes sense. I heard someone who was talking to his caddy said his par was 66, but I, I'm still like, how is that? I don't get that. I mean, I guess Four the par, par fives. Par fives hitting no more than a seven iron into. And yeah. then there's a drivable par four, which three, you know, guys have been driving it to the front edge. Bryson's hitting it over the green, which yeah. is also a much better place to chip from. And that's the other key is that that's hard to model and that Spieth talked about and that he's Bryson's talked about as well. Driving into certain areas gives you angles to the green yep. that are really valuable that you normally don't have. And that's the whole key to Augusta is, is hitting it in the right spots. On the green. So I, I've also heard that I, I feel like I've heard narratives on both sides. I've heard the narrative for him that like it's these three quarter shots are going to be a lot more difficult. Like some of these spots to hit, it's much easier. You won't be able to get enough spin on it from the shorter distance. And it will, it's going to be a lot easier with a more full shot in like, I mean, obviously I don't think Bryson agrees with that. And he probably is smarter than the people talking. I mean, he's smarter than everybody, but uh, you know. <laughs> smarter than everybody. Who's, yeah. Who's, it, it, who is a good, um, who's a good leverage guy that you guys would recommend a couple, maybe, that you know and obviously rufus this will probably be you know outrights whether you show any value on any of these guys that are that are on the longer side um, jose maria olathabo not really no okay, although well, i did bet him on a matchup i mean rufus this is like we people actually want to listen to what you say like you brag about how much money you made last weekend and you tell the whole world we're all free rolling you so uh, you know, I mean, what? Tell us, tell us who you're gonna you're gonna be on, or tell us who should be our our leverage our leverage guys. Hey, this is this isn't what I signed up for. Well, we don't have we have we have, we have an today. esteemed guest on here for his expertise. No, you can both tell me. I, I'm curious about what both you both think about who some of the longer shots to play that might be worth you know worth a worth a couple nickels on. Okay, so the long shots. I mean, a lot of the long shot guys that I bet probably aren't guys that are traditionally good course fit here, but have been playing well in general. And honestly, like, aren't traditionally considered high upside, high variance guys, but I just think they're still underpriced. Like, um, like, like a Kevin Na, for example, if you can get him at like 400 to one. He said his back's bothering him too, so maybe even a little extra value. Kevin Nas' back's bothering him. Yeah, well, don't bet on him then. <laughs> <laughs> he said that on Instagram. Peter, I need to like, I can I like consult you before I make any bets to see if people are injured and stuff. Is he there just, any other injuries I need to know about? So before I make an yeah. ass of myself. Okay, let's just injury narrative. I got a guy for you that I think is undervalued in the markets that I think has a lot of upside, and I think people are tentative to take him, especially. Oh, I know who it is. Other guys. You're gonna Jason say Jason Day. Day. Yeah, because yeah. Jason Day he's the worst guy to bet on because he, he's there's like a thirty percent chance he withdraws every tournament. And I've been there. Remember at the match, watch him with the back. Ago. Oh my god, that was such a sweat for me. Yeah, but what you, Rufus? What do you price him at and outrights? Because he's he's his I love price Day. has come down. Yeah, I mean I'm 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 I have outright bets on Day. Hmm. But okay, so let's just let's stay with that thing. I think you can find value. There's everyone has a narrative this week. And there are all these narratives, and some of the narratives actually have validity. Course history definitely matters here. And, you know, everyone talks about, you know, can't take a guy's first year at the Masters. That's generally true. But the injury stuff, I think, is really interesting. And I think Day, who's in that same price range as a Kepko's coming in hot, Patrick Cantlay, who won recently, 
Um, you know, Tony Finau, who I think sets up well at this course, Patrick Reed, who's won recently, Bubba Watson, who people are talking about. I think Day gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, and I think people are afraid to take him broadly because of the injury risk. I mean, he withdrew on Sunday at Shadow Creek because of his neck. I mean, and he has fought his body for a long time. So I saw him, doesn't I Empire saw him at um, I saw him at Hawkesson Saturday night. He was it wasn't his neck. Jason Day. <laughs> Just, I'm just kidding, guys. Okay. I've been a Vegas. Yeah, I was like, like he was like months. five shots back. Yeah, okay. So uh, isn't isn't okay. Jason Day? Doesn't Empire Maker think he's the best golfer in the world? I saw someone say that. He on was high. Empire was very high on Jason Day. He made big bets on Jason Day versus Brooks Kepka going into Sunday of the PGA Championship, I believe. Yeah, maybe it was I mean, Saturday. Maybe it was after the weekend. Going into the weekend. I mean, I don't think Day's flying under the radar that much. I mean, he was in contention. He was. How many? He was like. Well, Rufus, stroke, you, he was a stroke like, back to the lead going okay, into Rufus, Sunday last week. Rufus, yeah. Think about this for a second. You bet a lot on him in outrights, so he was flying under the radar until okay. you bet on him and you knocked his price down. No, either that or he isn't priced, or, or I'm not pricing in the injury risk appropriately. But although for outrights, that matters a little less. Give us some more narratives, Peter. Two more names that, like, I love uh, Rufus's opinion, and, and Jeff, you can judge for yourself on how to handle opposite cases. Jordan Spieth coming in with not the best form. I mean, it's been horrible, but he's showing a little signs of life, like just small. Just hasn't been able to hit the ball off the tee, but this is obviously an amazing course for him. So how much do you wait course history for Spieth? I think he's interesting. On the other side, a guy who's playing awesome was Scotty Scheffler, who has a huge pedigree uh you know one of the best talents on the pga tour was playing like lights out top five and like three events in a row was right there um you know at the pga then he got covid and hasn't been quite as good and it's also his first time at augusta which people knock him for so scheffler spieth what how do you analyze those guys so first off i was typing scheffler into google and did you know that it it auto filled scheffler there's a plant a plant called a scheffler i feel like if scheffler Next, next Scheffler bet I win, I'm buying one of those plants. Um, with Spieth, signs of life. Like, what trimester are we in here? First trimester, sec, is he close to birth? Like, baby, baby, like. Still, still an embryo? Right after, you're like, I think the pregnancy test is going to come back positive. <laughs> that's, that's where I think that was Spieth. Believe it or not, I'm slightly bullish on Spieth here. And I hate saying it. I was, like, trying to figure out a way to make my numbers not like him a little bit. Um, yeah, he, he. <laughs> He, he missed the cut by one last week. He missed a five-footer to miss the cut. So it's, short putts. He's, the short putts have always been his bugaboo. Like, when you're, when you're having to do things that Sergio emulates later, it's not exactly a good sign. Um, although Sergio goes – I mean, I guess Spieth goes with don't look at the ball. Sergio goes with don't look at anything. No, don't look at the hole is Spieth's thing. Don't right. Look at right. He doesn't look at the ball. He looks at the hole. Right. Yeah, he looks at the, instead of the ball. But um, I, you're right. Like – Speed has played really, really well in this course in the past. I think he has the best course history of anybody here, actually, relative to his baseline. And I think that's largely because, I mean, it's a good fit. I mean, he he's not the most accurate guy off the tee. That's always – that's his issue. Um, it's it's the, the errant drives. And, I mean, as long as he doesn't do, like, a Rory on number 10, I mean, there's – you know, where he hits it into the cabin. I mean, like, there's there's a lot of room to miss. Which how about our really boy like... how about our boy Morikawa? Oh, so there's a guy that I think no one's gonna take in DFS. I'm not that bullish on because he hasn't been playing that great. Also hasn't played, but that could be Jeff. Like, let's say you really hate Morikawa in your numbers. 
do you play him in that mega millionaire, you know, knowing he's like three or 4%? And probably the answer is yes, but I don't know. So why, I mean, here's the, I guess the, I would have thought people would have been higher on him. It's a Just, second shot golf course. And he was second in approach last year behind JT and strokes gained approach. Where? where? No, Borkala, just strokes get broadly if you just oh. gained approach. You would say, I mean, it feels like everybody says every course is a second shot golf course. I feel like Augusta is yeah. like a first shot golf course. It's a driver's golf course. It's the a, narrative. It's, it's a long hitters. It's a bomber's course. It's a bomber's. It's a bomber artist's course. That's what I'm going to call it. It's a bomber's course because you, it makes your second shot that much easier and there's not that much trouble to go long. Yeah, but it's also people that are creative, I feel like. Guys that like, that, that, like Bubba loves it because of the it's like a blank canvas for him and and just given given the green complexes and stuff I mean there's there's there is it's not just like a straightforward oh hit it to this point there's creativity involved and I think that I think that if you look at guys that have traditionally played well here it's less of these sort of me, like mechanical guys that are I, I feel like that are just Although I say that and then I'm thinking like, okay, Adam Scott, he looks like he has a picture perfect swing. Justin Rose feels like pretty mechanical, but like Bubba, Phil, not so much. Angel Cabrera, def like, you know, definitely not. The, the reason the narrative is for the second shot golf course is because that's what all the golfers say. The golfers say you have to hit it in the right spot. And that's the funny thing is golfers analysis of how to, you know, do well in a golf course or what is required is different than what Rufus says a lot of times. You know, and Rufus is the you know a big part of setting the market. So that's really interesting. You don't, I think people run with what golfers say, and you know, I don't know how good these golfers are at predicting who's going to play well out of their peers. Personally, I go with Troy Aikman's advice for how an NFL game is going to play out because you know he's been there. He understands the game. What about Tony Romo? Nah, who's that guy? Tony Romo was undra he, he wasn't even drafted. He didn't even go to a Division One college. He's kind of just become un unless unwatchable to me. He's like I thought he was spectacular when he first came out, and lately he's so hyper now. He's like yeah, he, exactly. and he's like his own little self. I don't know. It, it's tough. How about Tiger, guys? What do we think about yeah. Tiger this week? That's the argument that it's a second shot golf course too. Now I don't agree, but Tiger is clearly what made Tiger so phenomenal. Is I mean he's the best iron player, second. I mean best approach player of all time by like an order of magnitude. Mm -hmm. It's. And that's what he did to win in, in uh, 2019. I mean, he was really good, and especially on approach. I mean, his irons were great because he wasn't, like, driving the ball spectacular. He just hit a lot of great second shots. Yeah, and he wasn't, like, his putting, he was above average putting, but, like, yeah. He didn't win it with his putter. No, not at all. He won it. I think he was something – I think Joe Pita said he was, like, plus nine strokes gained on approach for the week, which is – Yeah, and that's, that's always like, been – Tiger Woods is like the best guy ever by so much with like a five iron in his hand or something. You know? Okay. Peter, what's, Here's a what's question the... for you then. Wait, both of you guys. If you, let's say you could be, if you could be two standard deviations, if you could be the best at any particular skill for the week, like number one putter in the field in terms of strokes gained around the green approach or off the tee, what would you want to be for this week? I'd say off the tee. Even though putting, if you look at it, putting is not predictive as much, but the guy who wins the tournament oftentimes is the guy who putted the best. Yeah. But that's that's a lot of luck, right? Not luck. Off the yeah. team, that's much more skill. and yeah. But I'm saying if you already, yeah, you, you don't if know you what knew distribution's going to look like. If you like, knew, yeah. if you could guarantee it, I guess I'd take putting. But I think it's close. I think I think off the tee is probably 
pretty important. Jeff, what do you think? I really don't know. I mean, I'm I'm kind of a kind of an ignoramus when it comes to this. I, I like knowing the course and whatnot. If I just think about this from a golfer's perspective, I mean, this just everything we've heard, right, is this idea that that you know everyone's just been talking about how this sets up so well for Deschambeau's new game. So to me, that would mean I would lean towards what Peter was saying about off the tee. But but putting obviously seems to be like. I, I don't know. And I, I, I guess I don't have a good answer or, or at least one that's informed it by any sort of credible opinion. What's the answer, Rufus? I don't know. I literally just came up with the question. Okay. I don't, uh, I, I thought you had the answer. No, no, no. I was just kind of curious. He usually has the answer. I don't, I don't know what the, like in Augusta, I mean, I don't have like, there's no PGA tour official shot link data. So I don't have, I can't tell you what the, what one standard deviation is worth for each. I got a bet for you, uh, Jeff, but it's kind yep. of like a, a Biden thing. So there is a market out there for Sandy Lyle to make him risk the cut, and there is a no price available. It's very similar to, you know, I bet Biden to win the popular vote and ended up losing Bitcoin on that bet because Bitcoin appreciated more, and I was laying minus 650. Uh, you know, there's a minus 1,100, minus 1,200, minus 1,300. Who knows how much longer it'll last, but that's like – borderline free money uh, uh, he, wait do you realize that sandy lyle sandy lyle the last two years has missed the cut by one stroke just wanted to put that out there what about the years before that i don't think he did i don't think i think he missed it by a little bit more there but i think he missed it by a lot for a stretch of time yeah probably but you know he gets better with age just like he's 62 years old I mean, fred couples certainly can compete at that age bernard longer bernard langer is like 60 two, one, four, something like that. And just, he's not Ian Woos going strong, Sandy Lyle, but I think it's pretty, I think, I don't know. I don't know if you agree, Rufus, but that, that, those are the interesting ones to look at for me when you're looking at some of these, there's, there's interesting markets. Uh, and some of these guys, I mean, there's some amateurs in here. Um, I've seen some stock about that and, and on Twitter. Um, but I think the old guys, I mean, there's a couple guys who are just like drawing dead basically. Oh, for sure. For sure. But speaking of losing money on Bitcoin, I, I so I paid like Empire Maker his money based off, you know, from, um, well, our first week of the contest. And then um, last week and I ended up and I won this past week. So I, but I literally lost $9,500 in the process because, because of the value of Bitcoin going up so much in between. The Bitcoin I sent him, I sent him 30,000 in Bitcoin, which when I got, which would have been worth 39,000 when I got paid 30,000 back. Can I tell you guys a, uh, a secret? Nobody cares. No, 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 no. Oh. I, I bought my first Bitcoin ever this week. Really? Yeah, actually, early, oh, early, now, uh, now we can get into the pot to talk to us. Was it a whole Bitcoin? I, I bought, no, I've, you know, I bought, I bought a few Bitcoin. I won't say Ooh. exactly how many, but I, I bought multiple bitcoin What's i was on that decision i'm fascinated to because the price was going up and you didn't want no, to be what, left what out on this decision uh just because i wanted to like actually not seem like an old man when i talked about it and i wanted to like get into the idea of of and i figure in some of these transactions that we typically are involved in it's helpful to have bitcoin yeah so you wanted I felt to like sweat. i should, should pop my cherry in in the bitcoin world right bitcoin you have like you're someone that has Mac football in the background. You clearly need a Bitcoin sweat. There we go. 
I mean, it is Tuesday and, and there is college football going on. Okay, can I ask a question on Morikawa? This, and this is a real question. The narrative on Morikawa going into certainly the PGA was that this is the guy, you know, at that point he'd missed probably what, one cut, two cuts in his life. You know, best ball striker, blah, blah, blah. He's like a Furek or a Kuchar, huh? What's that? Like just, oh, I thought you were going to go with just the consistency. Well, but then all of a sudden he wins the PGA and then he seems to have disappeared and there's no more narrative on him. Now he hasn't been playing well. What, what do we think something happened? Do we think like, like, what do we think happened with him? Like, do we have any theories? Is there any narrative? Did you see him at Hakkasan? I did not see him at Hakkasan. He's a nice Asian boy who's do- they were docile at the core. So no, I think he's fine. I don't think he no, was at Hakkasan. Okay, so so results since the PGA missed the cut at the Northern Trust, tied for twenty eight BMW, tied for seventh Tour Championship just with a seventy two old score, missed cut U.S. Open, missed cut Shriners, T twelve, T fifty. Yeah, that that's definitely a um, progression. Given the one missed cut. Surprising, too, given the West Coast. He was taught I me mean, he lives in Vegas now. He, uh, you know, uh, West Did you Coast. see him at, did you play with him at Summit? I did not play with him at Summit. BZ played with them. BZ and Funk uh, played with them at Summit. The, the morning that I was, like, sleeping in because we were at Hakkasan the night before for a long time, so. That would have been fun to, to see Morikawa play. I mean, he has got a majestic swing and huge fan. I think he's. Right there with JT is one of my just favorite. They said he was like one of the nicest guys. Of course, you can see he's the way he talks. He's so smart and humble and confident. I mean, just seems like the total package. But it was surprising to me if you're going to go into the narrative stuff. You know, the West Coast is where he's played all of this golf. I mean, he has so much experience there, trending, can sleep in his own bed, and then it just kind of fell off. Um, But it's a smaller sample, and clearly he could still win. I mean, his putter is, I mean, 2021 season. Uh, he's basically dead last in, in strokes game putting, which has always been the weakness. Um, you know, he's, he's good on approach, but he's not elite like he was in the 2020 season. So we'll see. And, and off the tee, honestly, which, uh, you know, he was really good at finding fairways, getting a lot of strokes off the tee relative to his distance. That's fallen off a bit too. So just kind of some slippage and some key things. And if you putt really badly, you're going to have bad results. I think it's also hard if you're not a really long hitter to be consistently elite. I mean, you, you look at the guys that, I mean, you look at guys that haven't been especially long um, just career-wise, and it seems like they do have some ups and downs because it just means you have to be so much more perfect. You can't be yeah. a little bit off. The margin for error is smaller. I mean, look at Steve Stricker in the 2000s when he completely fell off a cliff and then he got it back. I mean, Furyk had some bumps. Kuchar, like, you know, very consistent player. Um, lost and so, had to remake his swing. I mean, I think that there's... Can, can I ask you guys a, a question then on this? This is interesting, right? Because golf is a sport, it seems like, where where we have people that emerge, they play well, they win something big, then they kind of disappear. And it isn't like other team sports where the other the, the opponents can influence what you do. Like, you know, people figure out Lamar Jackson at some level or people figure out a certain pitcher and you know they just like that but like in golf you have got a guy like Molinari right who maybe a year ago was you know Rufus you never really liked him that much but yeah certainly my, he was my fades were Molinari and Shoffley I remember that yeah I mean but like you know like it's just interesting what, what do you think it is about golf that makes people emerge and then sort of disappear 
is it just a sport that there is a lot of like recency bias to it? I mean, it, it seems like of all the sports you model, Rufus, recency matters the most in golf compared to other sports. So is there, is there, is there something about it where there is like some nature of, of recency to it that's predictive and that once you lose it, you lose it? I mean, I think anybody that's played golf could tell you that too. You find something like you have a swing thought that works for a little while and then suddenly it stops working. And obviously these are professionals and they're way better, but, but I still think different, that they're, I can't imagine it's the same. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, look, I think there's but even, I, I, I see, I, I think there's a lot of merit to what Rufus just said. And it's, it's obviously in tighter ranges, but like, you know, put a ton of golf, get somewhat decent. Then I go back to sucking and like, I get on the track, man, and I see my swing and it's like, wow, I was really inside for a second. Now I'm kind of coming over the top. And for these guys, you know, even that just like fractional thing where they, you know, feel like they're swinging the same way, but something minor changed. Now their distribution of their shots. I mean, that's what makes the pros the best is their, their misses are the best. You judge golfers based on, um, you know, their misses basically. So the, you know, Brahm's the best golfer in the world right now. Like his range of, I mean, he has a shame like last week, but for the most part, his shot distribution is so good. And if you just get a little bit worse, fractionally, if something happens, like that really changes your distributions. And it's like such a narrow margin for these guys. I mean, these, the guys on the corn Ferry tour are amazing golfers, like unbelievable golfers. Um, so, and to Rufus's point, I think you brought up a good point about distance. Like, unless you have some skill that's like very consistent and being really long, that would be one of them. It's very hard to sustain an edge. Okay. We got nine minutes left. What else do you guys, is there anything else on the masters that you want to give these people that, that let wait all year to listen to Rufus talk to us about the masters, any okay. matchups? I'll, I'll, any... I'll, I'll say the guy who my biggest positions on since I've already filled them, but I still think there's outright positions worth playing there. Um, and that's, that's Decky. And personally, I feel like I'm like on every matchup with him. Although, I mean, which I'm sure people. That's a young one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I've, I'm sure people that are following the golf market aren't surprised at that, given that the price, I, I, those prices have moved up in a significant way since they opened. But um, I think, you know, he played really well last week. Um, and this is just from watching uh, the tournament last week. Um, and this is not involved by modeling, but he actually looked comfortable putting. I was watching the last like five holes. I was going back and forth between red zone and, and the golf. Uh, Cause I had, I had a guy in the hunt, um, the Mexican Carlos Ortiz. And I, I was like, man, or I was like, Matsuyama is not supposed to look this confident over 10 foot putts. Um, he was hitting them with authority and he wasn't, you know, he, so if, if, if Matsuyama can putt, like watch out. Um, he's played well here in the past. He's, I mean, it's, I don't know. I think I might've, I don't remember if it was last year that I had him and he started really slow and then kind of came back, but um, yeah. The narrative on him would be a lot different too. Keep in mind, he got totally screwed with COVID. He shot, he was the leader by a mile after round one of the players champ. Yeah. And he's redone his swing. Doesn't have his, the same dramatic pause. And yeah, he is a ball striking machine as usual. Uh, the putter's still kind of the bugaboo, but that putter gets going. And, and one thing about Matsuyama that I don't think many people realize, and it's the same for Rory McIlroy, but really for Matsuyama, he is elite around the green. Uh, strokes gained 2019 season uh, around the green. He was third. Last year, he was second strokes gained around the green. This year, he's 14th. That's 
people think, oh, Matsuyama, great ball striker, bad short game. It's no great ball striker, really good short game, bad, bad putter. I mean, it's kind of like Byung-Hyun on. I think people don't realize that like Ben on is also a really, really good player around the greens, but he can't putt. I mean, and even makes fun of himself for it. But what does he have that uh, wedge that said like, what was it? Benny on putts like glass he has eyes. glass eyes or something. Yeah, he's the best. Best ball. Yeah, exactly. But what it, else I mean, you what well, no, no, you're talking about around the green. Like, I have Matsuyama as the number one guy in the field in around the green um, going into Augusta. Number two is Ben on. So, I mean, I feel like those two guys are not guys you'd associate with that at all. Because right. they just um, bad short game because they can't putt. And then after that, I mean, who, who do you think is number, thir- number three? Maybe Rom. No, JT. I don't. I, I have Rom like number twenty there. Wow. I mean, but but they're not like Rom. I have Rom like point one eight strokes worse per round um, forecasted than than Matsuyama. And I'm not. I mean, it's a difference, but it's not a huge difference. And Rom like makes up for it with the fact that like, I mean, Rom that is his worst skill. Um, it's true. But he's still number twenty in the field. That should you know so. Um, other guys. Um, you want another Asian guy? I think I see some upside in Siwoo Kim. He's he's a guy that's totally a lottery ticket, but he's talk about good distributions for an outright though. Yes, he's he's the perfect outright distribution guy. Um, that's what you want, right? I mean, you want guys that can miss big. Um, let's see. Other, I'm looking for especially high variance guys. I I, I don't like Shuffler probably as much as you do, Peter. I, I grabbed him somewhere at like eighty to one. I think that was over in in Europe. Um, I don't necessarily like him. I just think he's. I think he's really interesting. High pedigree, tons of talent. Was playing great coming down, but how much do you knock him for no history at Augusta? I'll tell you who I don't like. That I think, but I, I've heard other people I respect actually like is is Kokrak. Um, I think Kokrak. If you look at why he, you know, first off, he's coming off of a win at Shadow Creek where he played lights out on the green. He's been putting lights out recently. That's been something that he struggled with most of his career um but a shadow creek is not a bomb it's not anything like augusta uh, and and he has not been um you know i think everybody knows that that putting there's a lot of random risk to putting and so um i'm okay with fading a guy that's been just in my like getting lucky i mean i think there's there's obviously some skill to there's a lot of skill to putting and there's there's certain i'm sure if i could like if i had data on how confident a guy feels putting the ball then i could you know much get a much better sense of predicting putting but i can't and so um maybe kokrex found something and turned the corner like molinari did back in 2018 you know he'd been a bad putter and he worked with who do he worked with some coach and ended up turning around his putting um so, but, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't love Coke rack at the prices available. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm making maybe like 125 to one or something. Um, yeah. I got two other, I'll throw out a couple uh, guys that I, I think uh, are really interesting, but might be chalky for DFS and could change the narrative as well. Tony Finau, that guy has more power than anyone, including Bryson, if he Do- wants to. Can I ask Peter? Do you think we'll see him like go Bryson on some of these holes? If there's say, anyone who wants to, like he he can get well above two hundred already without training for it. Doing it, he's got the most raw power in the tank. So he's interesting to me. And then 
Bubba Watson, um, I know the problem is he's now kind of expensive in the markets. It's moved, but I, I think Bubba has a real shot to win. Uh, he has been playing unbelievable golf, just putting really bad, and that's the recipe I want, and obviously has the history of Augusta. That's true. I'm with you on that. Although the weather forecast scares me for him because you know how finicky he is and it's supposed to rain on Thursday. I still remember, you know, he's like water, water on the water on the club face, bro. Water on the club face. He, he finds every, he, things need to be perfect for him. And if they aren't, or at least yeah, he's, in he's the past, blaming everyone else. Hey, so last, last question on this and then we got to wrap this up. Um, is the, is the starting times the reason that someone like DJ is, 20 to one to win the first round versus, you know, he's not the favorite no. to win the first round. And, and, and Bryson is by far at 13 to one. Well, Bryson's the favorite in the market to win outright, isn't he? Yeah, but it's really close between him and DeChambeau, right? You're going where Br- Bryson is plus 705 and DJ's plus 750 to win it on Chris. Whereas the first round, the, distri- the, the difference is much bigger, right? So I don't really honestly see a huge weather angle. Um, although rain, rain is such a big wild card because in my data, I unfortunately don't have, you know, I, I have, I don't have shot times for everything. I mean, I do with some shot link stuff, but like I haven't mapped it out to exactly what the weather was at that time. I know you got to run and set you up, but I mean, well, I you do. guys can, you guys can keep going without me if you want to keep riffing and then Rufus, you can do it. I'll do the intro. intro. You let me yeah. do the intro, Jeff. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm dropping off. Uh, good luck this, this weekend. Uh, Rufus, maybe you and I will tweet out some football picks since we didn't have a chance to talk about them. Congrats on the Bitcoin, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks. It's gone up since I got it. So I'm pretty excited. What did you get it? What price did you buy at? I bought it at like 14 and a half or something like that. So. Oh, I'm so happy. Sharp. Can we play sharp versus square Jeff Ma? Shout out to Jeff Ma too. I listen to every invest like the best podcast. Great sponsorship for. for, Thanks man. Appreciate it. I got to go do my day job guys. Microsoft sponsors that now. That's awesome. Yeah. Bye guys. Good stuff. Later, Jeff. Now, now that our guest is gone, <laughs> no, I was so with what with with rain though it, it is a wild card because you know if if you have historical data you can see it was you know heavy rain at this point but you can't you know I don't know necessarily if what the effect was on the course if there was a sub air system if play was halted for a little bit so it's it's one of those things where obviously you'd rather not be out there in the rain but you know. If you, you know, you want to be, you want to be getting a course that's soft from rain. It's better if you play right after the rain ends, but at the same time, maybe that's not the case at Augusta, given you have the sub air system and the greens. Yeah, so soft green is normally a huge advantage, right? Cause then yes. you can stick the ball, but if the sub air system takes that out, I had one question that we didn't get to that I think is really relevant. If, you know, first masters in November, obviously the course looks different. It's still the same course, do you do anything different with that? Because certain people are saying how you should maybe weight course history a little less. I don't necessarily agree with that at all, but that, there is that narrative going around. What's your thought? That's a good point. I think if, if I, I mean, I would, I can see sort of airing to that side. I think that there will be some things that are different, but I'm not, I'm not someone that is in the business of, well, I don't feel qualified to, to sort of guess what they're going to be. So I'm basically going to say, you know, people can speculate that it'll play such as such way or some other way. And I'm kind of going to go with how it's played in the past. And how much know, would you, I guess you know, we won't see November again. So it's not really relevant to like do it. I mean, I guess a better question is how do you project that you're going to wait this year's masters for April? A good amount still, I would think. I mean, look, that, I mean, are how, the weather conditions that different? That's a good question. Well, no, no, I'm just saying, like, we've never had that before. We have Masters, you know, 
I mean, it's still a long time, but six months versus a year is, is, is different. Well, I'm just happy that we get two masters in a five month stretch or the best stretch of golf uh, we're going to have. It's fantastic. But I mean, Peter, what you ask is, is kind of similar to saying, well, how do you wait like previous U S opens in predicting the U S open? Well, you know, you have Rory winning at congressional where the course was super wet and played super long and the greens were soft. Like, you know, that's, or I should say maybe how do you wait that and predict if, if predicting another U S open at congressional, like conditions aren't going to be the same. So you can go through, I guess, year by year and say, okay, these are what the conditions were. Let's look at years where it's similar. Uh, but, and so, because if you think about it, it's not just the time of year, it's the, it's the weather that affects the course and, and not just the weather the day out, but the weather leading up, leading up to it. So, um, so I, I'm honest, I, I'm pretty neutral on it though. I don't, I don't think the weather is any, I think the weather is within the normal bounds, at least to my knowledge of what it is masters week in april i mean i know people are saying it's wetter it's wetter the course is going to play longer um but you know matsuyama's plenty long he's not as long as as bryson but mcelroy's long rombo's long um kevin Na's not long but 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 my 400 to one bet is basically already shot you're telling me so um, see okay here's i'll make a final point on narratives that i believe in that i i are I think you can't quantify, but I, in my mind, I bumped them up. John Rahm making two hole-in-ones in the practice rounds and apparently playing great. They beat, uh, you know, whatever. It's a two-man gambling thing. But it just just feels like that has to, like, give him some confidence, which I know is that Rahm's always confident. Yeah. But don't you know, like, for me, at least in my life, there's certain times where you just get on a roll with certain things and, like, really good things seem to happen and it seems like more really good things seem to happen until they don't but and you just know it yeah you, you know i'm looking well, through I, like, my don't, positions could you imagine rom just like convincing himself like it's destiny that i win this thing now like yeah more more than most guys maybe i mean yeah two on ones in one week i mean that's freaking insane dude it, it is what are the odds of a third is he playing the par three contest tomorrow <laughs> yeah what are the odds of a he's third? got to because he's you know does but the match have more looking, you know, this? I I kind of hope you're right, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't have any matchup position on or against Rom. I have very little outright exposure. I'm like, if Rom when when he finally does it, I want it to be a week where I'm. I feel like I, I have much much less on Rom. You've than, been heavily invested in Rom for a long. Time. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's been an investment that's paid off overall. But you know, if, it always feels like. I mean, it's it's like Jim Furyk, right? I was heavily invested in Jim Furyk for a long, long time, and Jim Furyk made me a lot of money overall. But he also could have made me a lot more if he didn't stop finishing during second place. Yeah. So. Well, it's going to be a fascinating week, but I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much, uh, Peter, for joining us. And uh, but yeah, and good luck this week with the DFS and and betting if you're doing that. And may the hopefully. DeChambeau doesn't run rough shot over the field. Yeah. Good luck to, to you, Rufus, and the seven listeners. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are put to end just running off a leaded.